God, I thank you. So says the Pharisee in today's parable from Luke's gospel. God, he says, I thank you. During this Thanksgiving season, this is indeed a wonderful lesson on the importance of gratitude, the way this Pharisee in the parable recognizes the countless blessings given him by God and the way he in turn renders the appropriate gratitude for these gifts. Yes, this is indeed a wonderful lesson in gratitude and thanksgiving. Except, of course, it's not at all. Except, of course, that's not at all what the Pharisee is saying in this parable. Oh, he does indeed say, God, I thank you. But then he goes on to say, I thank you that I'm not like these other people. These thieves, these rogues. It's a great word, by the way. These rogues, these adulterers, or even, he says, like this tax collector. Oh, this Pharisee's grateful, all right. He's grateful that he's so far superior to, quote, these others. We, of course, live some 2,000 years removed from the context in which Jesus spoke this parable. And so, as such, we don't experience the same irony and or the same subversive power of its narrative setup. Which is to say, we don't hear this parable like those first hearers heard it. We don't hear this parable and assume that the Pharisee is the obvious hero and that the tax collector is the obvious foil. No, all these years later, we hear Pharisee as being synonymous with self-righteousness. And we hear tax collector as being synonymous with sinner saved by grace, and therefore we miss the scandal of the parable. Rest assured, though, that those first hearers would indeed have been scandalized by it. Pharisees being admired as they were for their righteousness, while tax collectors were reviled for their perceived Immorality. So yes, those first hearers would have been scandalized and shocked by this parable in a way that we ourselves all these years later tend not to be. And so that said, what happens with the tax collector in this parable? In other words, just from a content standpoint, what happens in the rest of the parable? Well, after the Pharisee has finished thanking God that he's, quote, not like these other people, the tax collector is then shown beating his breast, which is a universal symbol for penitence in the ancient Near East. And then he is seen as saying to God, and I quote, God have mercy on me, a sinner. At which point Jesus explains in conclusion to the parable, that the tax collector, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified and in fullness of spirit. That's the parable. God, I thank you. 
God, I thank you. That, that is the line that continued to reverberate in my mind and my spirit this week as I prayed over and reflected upon this passage, the Pharisees' words, God, I thank you. As we are in this season of thanksgiving, the significance of gratitude has been acutely on my mind, as I'm sure it has been on yours as well. And therefore, the thing that I came to notice about this parable was that while the Pharisee is ostensibly the one who gives thanks to God in this passage, it is the tax collector who truly represents sincere gratitude, even though he doesn't use the actual words, God, I thank you. Moreover, the gratitude that the tax collector feels, and this is significant, the gratitude that the tax collector feels is not just gratitude for the blessings in his life or for the wonders of creation or for any of the other items which we as human beings ought daily to be grateful for. No, more fundamentally still, the tax collector here feels and expresses gratitude for God's mercy. God, be merciful to me, a sinner, he exclaims. And that, to the point of this sermon, that is the thing that we ought most of all to be grateful for this Thanksgiving season and all seasons. For the mercy, for the amazing grace of Creator God. Fortunately, of course, none of us are like the Pharisee in this parable. Fortunately, so influenced by Scripture and by the Holy Spirit are we that none of us ever quietly give thanks that we are, quote, not like these other people, right? I mean, none of us ever think, say, God, I thank you that I'm not like those pious Christians, those dogmatic folks who think that all Christianity is about is praying and believing certain things. None of us ever think something like that. And none of us ever think, God, thank you that I'm not like those activist Christians, those zealous folks who think all Christianity is about is about addressing very social ills. None of us are ever like that. And none of us ever think, God, thank you that I'm not like those charismatic Christians. Those emotive folks who think all Christianity is about is about rapturous experiences. Thankfully, none of us ever think anything like that. Yes, thankfully, all these years later, none of us suffers from the same malady as this Pharisee did, which is to say, from the malady of religious self-righteousness. Except, wait a minute, now that I think about it, no, that's not right. Instead, we do suffer from this malady. In fact, I know I suffer from this malady. In fact, it seems to me that we suffer from it just as much, if not more now than ever they did then, because we have cable news and the internet to stoke our self-righteousness. Lucky us. Yes, it turns out that this is a tale as old as time. 
a malady endemic to our fallen humanity, that being this propensity to derive satisfaction from how much more righteous we perceive ourselves to be than, quote, these other people. Am I right? Yeah. In the early 20th century, the Times of London reached out to nearly 100 leading philosophers and politicians and journalists and academics, asking these esteemed folks to submit an essay in response to the question, quote, what is wrong with the world? Among these esteemed intellectuals to whom they reached out was the celebrated journalist and committed Christian G.K. Chesterton. And all these years later, Chesterton's essay remains a tour de force in Christian reasoning. And even though this may be a familiar story to some, and even though I have even told it from this pulpit before, because Chesterton's response to this question is so powerful and so instructive, I am going to read that essay to you now in full. And bear with me, I promise it's worth it. Again, in response to the question, what is wrong with the world? G.K. Chesterton wrote this essay, and I quote, Dear sirs, I am, yours truly, G.K. Chesterton. That's it. In response to the Times of London asking the most brilliant people in all of England, what is wrong with the world? G.K. Chesterton simply wrote back, I am. But the tax collector standing far off was beating his breast and saying, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Luke's point and Chesterton's point, we are all the tax collector. But further still, Luke's point and Chesterton's point is that we are all the tax collector, yes, yet we are all given to seeing ourselves like the Pharisee. The theologian Reinhold Niebuhr once said that the doctrine of human sin is the only empirically verifiable Christian doctrine, meaning we can't prove something like, say, the triune nature of the Godhead or the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. But we can prove that each of us as human beings are a hot, ever-loving mess. And moreover, we don't need scientific instruments or analyzable data to prove this reality. Instead, we simply need a mirror. Thus, given this reality, given that despite our daily best efforts, we all daily fall short of doing what we should do and of being who we should be in light of that reality, the most shocking, scandalous, hopeful, life-giving aspect of the gospel of Christ Jesus is this, that we are forgiven anyway. That God's mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. That amazing grace really is that sweet 
of a sound. And the crime against Christianity is that we as Christians have so domesticated this good news that it no longer surprises or astounds us. That it no longer occurs to us just how deeply we really are all in need of grace and consequently just how amazing this grace we receive really is. But that, this parable from Luke's gospel reminds us, is the nature of Creator God. To lavish this mercy and grace and forgiveness on those who are unworthy of it. Which is all of us. And then to fill with gratitude the hearts of those who realize our unworthiness. Follow me here. It's not that the Pharisee was the recipient of any less grace or mercy than the tax collector in this parable. It's simply that the tax collector recognized the grace and mercy that he daily relied upon. And that is what made all the difference. This Thanksgiving season, and every day of our lives for that matter, let us internalize the ever-pressing question, what is wrong with the world? And let us learn to respond, I am, rather than reflexively assume those other people are, whoever those other people for us happen to be. Yes, this Thanksgiving season and every day of our lives, let us lift our voices to heaven saying, God, I thank you, but not God, I thank you that I am not like those unrighteous people, but rather, God, I thank you that you love and forgive me even though I am. For we are all unrighteous. We are all unworthy. We are all sinners in need of grace and we are all sinners who have indeed received it. So let us this day and every day give thanks for this amazing gift, this amazing grace. And let us, like the tax collector, express that gratitude that we might leave with hearts filled by and with humility rather than with hearts hardened by and with self-righteousness. And with thanksgiving, all God's people say, Amen. And I'll be down front.